Hello and welcome to the official Folk Albums chart show for November the 2nd, 2021. We have an amazing show for you today. We've got 10 new entries and a brand new number one. There's going to be an interview with Kareen Polwart and Dave Milligan, who'll be talking about their beautiful album of voice and piano duets and explaining how Margaret Atwood, the novelist, was a catalyst for it coming into being. We're also going to be talking to Grace Petrie, and she'll be revealing why she was inspired to write a poignant song about Ikea. That's all coming up later. But let's start with a new entry at number 40 in this month's chart. It's an album from the duo called The Last Inklings. Uh, they are Leonardo McKenzie and David Hoyland, multi-instrumentalists, and their album The Impossible Wild celebrates the natural world, and they've created some really beautiful stop-motion animation to go with it. Here's a track called Hunter's Folly. I was staring at the sun in the middle of the sky With all my worries simplified Dreaming of a place we could grow old When out of nowhere unforetold And the worry in your eyes when they took us by surprise Is the last thing I remember hiding Like a feather as we float through the heaven Not a word to the wise We didn't see it coming And we're off like a feather as we float through the heaven Now the first of the month is a long time A long time coming Thank you. 
Here's the first chart countdown. At number 40, you've just heard The Last Inklings and their album The Impossible Wild. At 39, The Pogues are still in session at the BBC in the 1980s. At 38, Joshua Burnside's Into the Depths of Hell. At 37, Chris Drever with Where the World is Thin. At 36, Saint Sister from Northern Ireland ask Where I Should End. At 35, the late Jackie Leaven is straight out of Caledonia. At 34, John Smith's The Fray. At 33, Phil Odgers with Ghosts of Rock and Roll. At 32, this is The Kits, Off, Off, Oddities. And at 31, John Francis Flynn and I Would Not Live Always. Let's leap ahead now and feature another new entry, this time at number 23. It comes from the Irish singer-songwriter David Keenan, and it's called What Then? It's a follow-up to his 2019 album, A Beginner's Guide to Bravery, which featured in the very first official folk albums chart a year ago. This one is darker and more introspective, and we can hear a track now called Peter O'Toole's Drinking Stories. In the past when I know less than I don't know, which isn't much I slept inside Peter O'Toole's drinking stories I wept on the unmade bed of existential crises And came to believe that all you need to be a writer was a coat One arm as long as the other brother Time can be a teacher when it suits Resuscitate your childhood schemes and the archaeology of memory, my professional dreamer. Tiptoe towards immortality, laughing into the wind. Onwards now, onwards now. One boot is more than enough. Be known the boy has snapped. We've never seen nothing like this before. Oh, the bells have told he's never coming by. Crack, smack, stone. Once upon a time, my mother was a lady, an OCD fat grilling machine. That was then, and that was that. Once upon a time, my father was a coward, but I love him for who he is in the present. That was that. I'm a six-week premature ejaculation, baby. The incubator done me no how. I had its chow, and that was that. That was that, and so it began. Sun came up and shook my hand And young Ivan in holy knowledge Supervised the finding of a fix In an unsuspecting stranger's bed All the truth be known The boy has snapped We've never seen another like this before The bells have told he's never coming back. Crack, smack, stone cold. All oh, the truth be known, 
and the boy snaps. We've never seen another like this before. Oh, the bells have told he's never coming back. Crack, smack, snow. On with the chart. At 30, Gwenifer Raymond and Strange Lights over Garth Mountain. At 29, Cara Dillon is live at Cooper Hall. At 28, Sam Kelly and the Lost Boys with The Wishing Tree. At 27, Mick Flannery and Susan O'Neill are in the game. At 26, Declan O'Rourke's Arrivals, produced by Paul Weller. At 25, The Levelers bring us peace. At 24, Bellowhead are reassembled. At 23, David Keenan's aforementioned What Then? At 22, Nature's Light from Blackmore's Night. And at 21, another new entry, Man Ran, with an album in English and Gaelic called Ura. Let's hear a track from it. Gone are the days when I knew what was for me. 22, without a clue, where I was hidden. Now I Show you how I cool fly. 
Man Ran with Crow Flies from their number 21 album, Oura. Now, before we go any further, I just want to let you know about the next episode of Folk on Foot, which comes out on Friday the 12th of November. It features Cider House Rebellion, who are a duo, the fiddle player Adam Summerhays and the accordionist Murray Granger, and they're joined by Adam's daughter, Jessie, who is a poet, to take me on a walk to the North Yorkshire Moors, and in particular to some ruined ironstone kilns that have inspired their music and the music is created on the spot it's improvised and Jessie reads her poetry too to the accompaniment of the instrumentalists it's an extraordinary experience and here's a little taster for you I love the idea that music can be absolutely creative here and now and to actually get to a situation where that's what we can do, we can just stand and we'll make something, it's a real privilege to be able to do. Cider House Rebellion and Jesse Summerhays, another amazing episode of Folk on Foot coming your way on Friday, November the 12th. Don't miss it. Back at the chart now and another new entry at number 20. This one comes from Will Varley, who created this album during lockdown in his makeshift studio on the Kent coast and plays nearly all the instruments himself. It muses on the human condition. And here's the title track, The Hole Around My Head. Struggling with the loneliness and the hope. 
Farley with The Hole Around My Head, title track of his new entry album at number 20. Well, time now to get the latest news about what's going on in gigs, both virtual and real, in the folk world. We're joined by Lucy Shields of The Folk Forecast. Let's start with those in-person gigs, Lucy. What have you got for us? We've got lots coming up. Um, So Sam Sweeney is touring his Unearth Repeat album with his full band. Um, That album's gone down extremely well and it's featured a few times in the chart um, and I'm really looking forward to seeing it played live. So they're going all over the place from Manchester and Hebden Bridge to London and Liverpool so keep an eye on his website for all the dates. Then Show of Hands are also off on their Best One Yet tour. Um, they've got loads of dates everywhere from Devon to Durham and everywhere in between. The tour's been scaled back a bit, it was going to be the full band, it's now going to be just the duo which is a bit of a reflection of, of the times, really, that um, people are a bit reluctant to book ahead and it's not always possible to, to go ahead with tours if they don't book in advance. Um, so if you are thinking of going, just make sure that you do book your tickets. Then Sam Lee um, is also off on his epic Old Wow tour. I'd never actually seen him live until recently. I saw a bit at Manchester Folk Festival and it was just incredible. So I'm going to go and see him again. <laughs> so that's um, a ringing endorsement there for Sam Lee. And then Gwenifer Raymond has a few dates coming up. And she's an artist that I discovered through the chart show. And I think a lot of listeners probably did as well. And I was really blown away by that video that you shared of her. So if you'd like to see her in person, she's going to be at London Jazz Festival at King's Place on the 12th of November. And then she's going up to Glasgow on the 13th and Southampton on the 14th. Um, So it'll be really great to see her play live. She is absolutely amazing, isn't she? What about online gigs? Are those still happening? They are, yes. Um, as usual, I'm still very busy with the team over at Live to Your Living Room. So in November, we've got Green Ribbons, the Story Song Scientists, which is Finley Napier and Megan Henwood, Jackie Oates and John Spires, Gadarine, Green Matthews and Martin and Eliza Carthy. And Martin and Eliza's in-person tour has been postponed, which is such a shame. Um, but the beauty of these online gigs is that we were able to step in and get a gig set up for the end of the month online instead. 
And then Nine Barrow have got Wandering Minstrels, the concert. That's on the 27th of November. So that's going to be 14 different songs sung in 14 different stunning locations around Dorset and beyond. So that will be a really nice one as well. And then the Unthanks are running some online singing courses that are starting in November. But as you can imagine, they've been very, very popular. So you'll have to be quick if you want to catch those. Uh, lots going on then. So what about any album releases that have caught your eye? So Hannah James and Toby Kuhn have got their new album, um, Sleeping Spirals, coming out on the 19th of November. And I've, I've followed Hannah's whole career, um, but somehow every time she does something new, she manages to completely take you by surprise with a completely different sound. Uh, so for this duo project, she's working with Toby Kuhn, who's an amazing cellist, and they've really explored the different sounds that they can create together. And there's a lot of storytelling in there, particularly like drawing on the fact that she's moved to Slovenia and she's found a lot of inspiration over there. So I, again, I got to see a little bit at Manchester Folk Festival, just a bit of a preview, but I'm really looking forward to seeing the full thing. And that's going on tour. Um, they're going to Birmingham, London, Durham, York. So keep an eye on their website as well for the dates for that. And then speaking of, folk accordionists um amy thatcher is releasing a new ep called let what's in out on the 17th of november and that's to coincide with world prematurity day so if you're not quite sure if you know amy she's worked with Catherine tackell the she and monster kaylee band and so she had her twins 11 weeks early when she was on tour uh, and it was a really emotional experience and she's written the headline track look at you now exploring what that felt like emotionally and dealing with that um, and so that's being released on World Prematurity Day on the 17th of November and she's also fundraising for Bliss which is a charity that helps to give premature babies the best start in life uh, so it's a really great thing that she's doing there. A really worthwhile cause. Lucy, as always, thank you very much indeed. If you want to get more details of all the things that Lucy's been talking about, then you could just uh, go to the Folk Forecast, look it up on the internet or follow it on social media. Lucy, we'll see you next month. Thanks, Matthew. On with the chart. At number 20, Will Varley and The Hole Around My Head. At 19, Pete and Diesel live at Barrowlands in Glasgow. At 18, Catherine Pretty's gorgeous The Eternal Rocks Beneath. At 17, this is the kit with Off, Off, On, Proper. At 16, Kate Rusby with Hand Me Down. At 15, the sea shanties of the Longest Johns, Cures What Ails You. At 14, the Leveller's classic set from Glastonbury 1992. At 13, Flight Say, This Is Really Going To Hurt. At 12, Spires and Bowden are on fallow ground. And at 11, Danny George Wilson has a new entry with Another Place. Here's a track from the album called Can You Feel Me? Still fall around me And I'm okay 
Danny George Wilson with Can You Feel Me from his number 11 album, Another Place. Well, we're going into the top 10 now, and at number 10 is Jamie Webster with Boss. At number 9, The Staves with Good Woman. And then new at number 8, Kareem Polwart and Dave Milligan have made a beautiful album of stripped-back songs, just voice and piano, a mix of self-penned and traditional and cover versions. And I called up Kareen and Dave at home to ask them how the album came about. Well, in the autumn of last year, Dave and myself were both involved in a project um, called the Dementia Singing Network. Um, they were putting together a pack through Luminate, which is Scotland's creative ageing organisation. And I was commissioned to write two songs, and Dave was the arranger um, for all the material for that pack. So one of those songs was Travel These Ways, which is on the album. So we ended up in Castle Sound Studio in Penn Caitlin, just along the road, in the studio together recording. And it was delightful. Um, so that was the first thing. And then the second thing subsequently was that I was asked to, I was I was, I was contacted by BBC Radio 4's Today programme and they were curating a series of programmes between Christmas and New Year, each um, with a different guest at the helm. And for a programme that Margaret Atwood was putting together, they asked if I might do a version of The Parting Glass and record it here in my spare room. And I said, no, <laughs> that sounds like a terrible idea. <laughs> um, actually, I would love to offer something, but to be honest, Margaret Atwood is worth better than what I can muster in my spare room. Um, and I asked the BBC if they would consider um, myself and Dave going back into Castle Sound Studio and recording it properly as, uh, as befits the request. Um, and to my astonishment, they said yes. And again, that was a delightful thing to put together. So those two songs are sort of the seed for the project. And I think by the time we'd finished recording The Parting Glass, both of us were thinking, maybe, maybe we should do something with this. <laughs> Dave, what was it about the partnership that felt so good to you? Um, well, Karina and I have worked together uh, on various projects over the years, but they've always been, uh, like not necessarily large projects, but part of you know something bigger. Uh, so that that there is, I th I think one of the things that we both felt during the process of this was the, just the the power of of just the two instruments, the voice and the piano, and the 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 intimacy of that uh, just kind of shines a light on on so much detail uh, and contour in in the music that you're working on, and that it was just this kind of opportunity that that came particularly after a a, a, a quite a long hiatus a, a long period of time where we weren't doing anything and it just felt so uh, so nice and and such a kind of a beautiful thing to suddenly be given this opportunity to 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 explore music in with that level of detail um, and so we should say it, that you it, are neighbours in the legendary village of Pathhead Midlothian, which uh, Corinne has the most extraordinary creative community, doesn't it? It, it does, yeah. I mean, David's partner, Karina Hewitt, for example, is a fantastic harper singer, composer. My regular bandmate, Inga Thompson, and her husband, Martin Green from Lau, live just across the park. So, yeah, that 
that also fed into it. it not only were, were we brought together in these projects and really enjoyed the kind of nuance of that, but we live five minutes apart. So on a on a really baseline practical logistical level it's actually really easy to get together and make music and, and did you relish Karine, the chance to be just a singer uh, as opposed to somebody dealing with instruments and uh, you know in the way that you normally perform yes i really did <laughs> i mean i i feel like i'm a much better singer than i am it's not even just that i feel objectively to the world i'm a much better singer than i am technician on any instrument and when i'm playing with my regular trio, with my brother Stephen and Inga, I'm, I'm supported by the sound that they make and I merely augment the sound that they make. But there was something so, so stripped back and nowhere to hide about working with Dave that I think it really elevated my singing. Like, I think this is some of the best singing I've ever done because I don't have to think about anything else. And because there's just this feeling of space um, and, and just, Unclutteredness um, about about the arrangement. So it, it's been really encouraging. Personally, I've found it really encouraging to my own self. Dave, how did you set about choosing the repertoire that features on the album? Uh, well, I I left that very much to Corinne. Um, she kind of guided the the, the repertoire side of things. Um, and did you, coming from a jazz background, have to change your style at all? Do you think to accommodate some of these more folky titles? That's a good question. Um, I not specifically. Uh, not specifically to to this project or even to Kareen singing, but I think that something that I've always I've always felt is is important to me is is trying to find the the color that's appropriate to the picture that you're trying to make. Um, and there was something very uh, immediately apparent about the songs that that Kareen was bringing to the table that. Uh, I, it felt sort of quite clear to to me and I think to both of us what was needed uh, and there were times where we'd start I well I would maybe start down a path that wasn't appropriate but uh, but Corinne has a very kind of uh, clear sense of uh, a vision I think in in terms of you know how how the the overall sound should be so you know um, she if if I was going down the road, Green can very quickly go. I think we should try this, and it's like, okay, of course. Green, <laughs> um, tell us something about choosing the repertoire, choosing the songs, and 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 what brings these songs together. And um, well, I think that that was shaped in dialogue with with Dave because there actually are some songs that I brought to the table that didn't make the cut, and we tried them out in Dave's room, and for one reason or another the shape of them just wasn't wasn't right. So some fell by the wayside. And in whittling down a little core of songs, a kind of a zone of imagery and feeling began to emerge from that. And once once you're able to identify what connects pieces, it's actually really easy then to find other pieces that kind of adhere with that. But I think for me, it's about, like I think in terms of pictures and landscapes, it's like I'm I'm in a I'm in a place. I don't have any great formal language to talk about making music, but I feel situated in a place 
when I'm pulling things together. And they literally began to adhere around certain kind of places. So it's riddled with kind of coastlines and tides and rocks and shifting, a feeling of um, kind of um, places that are in flux. Um, and I think once we'd, we'd, we'd discovered that that was sort of the, the visual lyrical key to lots of the songs, then we could bring in others and also create. There's one piece on the album that we co-created in the process of making this, which is, a, I guess, the most left field piece of, of all. It's, it's called Sicker Point. And it's an, it's an ode to a very particular piece of the, the borders, southeast Scotland coastline. But it's built from a kind of semi-improvised um, composed piece of Dave's and a spoken word sung meditation of mine. So that's the one place where we've made something, I think, wholly new for the album. Dave, are you going to take it on the road? I, I think you might be looking for rather special places and special pianos where you might perform it. Yeah, I, I mean, that's that's the ideal scenario. Um, I mean, obviously, we would love to perform it. But um, as I was saying to you earlier on, one of the things that was quite clear to us in the process of recording this was just how important the sonic aspect of it was. And uh, we'd love to perform it in a space where we can we know that we can recreate that you know so we're looking for places that have a great piano and a great room doesn't need to be a big room but uh the piano is kind of important to me <laughs> Lots of both of us actually <laughs> of course so. kareem we're going to play now the video of, of you performing the parting glass which you recorded for the margaret atwood uh, today program but just tell us about this song and, and what it means to you and, and how you approached performing it well I think it's important to say just very briefly what it means to Margaret Atwood because that certainly was where it came from and um, she chose the song because it was one of her late husband's favorite songs and I think it may have been played at his funeral so it's a song with a very um you know very powerful connection to her life and I guess it's a song that is often played at funerals um, and commemorations. So it's a big song. Um, and also when it's not used for funerals, it's used to close events. It's a song of kind of, it's a very bittersweet kind of song. Um, and it's a very short song, but it holds a lot of emotion within it. And I think especially in the Irish diaspora, it's, it's it has such an important status as a song it's flown around the world with people as they've migrated from one place to another so i think in a way you have to sing it with a an awareness that um that it packs a punch well kareen polwart and dave milligan thank you very much indeed for joining us on the official folk albums chart show let's hear the parting glass
Parting Glass by Corinne Polwart and Dave Milligan from their number eight new entry album, Still As You're Sleeping. And if you want to see them perform some of those songs live, you can do that online at Live To Your Living Room on the 10th of December or in person at Celtic Connections in Glasgow on the 23rd of January. You might say to me Back at the chart now and at number seven, Jamie Webster with We Get By. At number six, the first of two new entries from Thea Gilmore called The Emancipation of Eva Gray. At number five, uh, Hamish Hawke with Heavy Elevator. And then at number four, the second of those two new entries. And Thea Gilmore is having a change of identity. So The Emancipation of Eva Gray is the last album she will make under her name. Following the breakup of her marriage, she's had a re-evaluation of her personal and musical direction, and she's now going to perform under the name Afterlight. And it is that album which has come into the chart at number four. It's a very honest, a very open, a very personal album of songs dealing with that, that difficult breakup. Here's a song called Of All the Violence I Have Known. Of all the violence I've known And I've known the hum of a hand through the air I've known the tightening of a fist in my hair A forearm weight across the tiny bird hollow of my neck The place where words die 
I've known the grind of bone against bone A butcher's block pelvis sharp against my own I've known the negative of a hand etched upon my thigh In the darkroom of some forgotten instinct A cool acceptance, I am breakable You can break me, all you have to do is try Of all the violence I've known The longest mark by far Is the slow assassination of the years In which I loved Or tried to at least In the way that I was taught By every pastel-posed Soap-drenched magazine bought The paper cuts inviting The leeches to the feast Each tiny pull of the knife Such slow end epidermal patterns of me a bonsai twisted endlessly cutting through young skin continuing while the cells knit together again platelets clown dancing the great comedy the camouflage of breaking ice into one refreezing its wound closing up the damage done all the violence I have known, though I'm whole now, I think, silent and wild and tall. It lies below the surface, mosquito trapped in amber, still fat, with prehistoric blood and ruin. It lies below the surface in us all. That is so powerful. Of all the violence I have known, a track from the number four album by Afterlight. At number three, Robert McFarlane and Johnny Flynn's album, Lost in the Cedarwood, leaps up 14 places. If you haven't already heard their excellent episode of Folk on Foot, I commend it to you. And then at number two, another new entry and another set of very personal songs. And this comes from Grace Petrie. And these songs were written during lockdown when she was at home in Leicester. So when I called her up there, I asked her to describe her lockdown experience. I was really lucky, actually, um, in that I was on tour with my fiddle player, who's the, the wonderful um, fiddle player, Ben Moss, um, who plays in my band and plays a lot of gigs with me. And we were on tour together in Australia when the pandemic hit. So we had to sort of have a mad dash to, to get home before everything locked down. Um, and he actually, bless him, he got stuck in my house for six months, um, which, you know, was absolutely you know I, I don't know how he feels about it but um, I was very grateful for for the company and uh and, and you made you know, music together didn't you because I, I saw that you were posting songs online mm, yeah so we did these uh covers uh I just sort of had this idea um where we you know we decided to do a cover song and, and I said why don't we do one that begins with a and why don't we go the, the whole way through the alphabet um funnily enough I was we were talking about this the other day and we were saying that when we initially had the idea, we sort of said to each other, well, it's a good idea, but do you think lockdown's really going to last for 26 days? <laughs> uh, <laughs> so uh, how little did we know back then? And what happened um, when you got to X? My greatest defeat, my greatest defeat. Um, <laughs> the, the, the options were very limited for X, so we did end up doing um, Olivia Newton-John and ELO's Xanadu, which <laughs> in my opinion is 
probably the worst song ever written. Um, <laughs> but aside from that, I think we, uh, we, we got, we've got some pretty good covers out of it. Um, and we raised some money for the big issue doing it. So um, by the end of, by the end of 26 songs, we did one a day for 26 days. And then we did a Facebook live stream concert of all of them in order. Um, and by the end of those two things, we'd raised 11,000 pounds for the big issue. So it was a lovely way to keep busy and feel a little bit like there was maybe some kind of use that we could give to the world in a, in a very sort of um, strange time to have yeah, a kind of... it's a fantastic thing to do. And, and in the meantime, presumably, you, you started writing songs for this album. Did the experience of writing during lockdown change the way you approached it? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, I, I, I'm much more of a performer um, than I am a musician by any standards. And, and I, ha I have always found actually recording is the hardest part of the job um I don't like it at all and I, I'm not very good at it um because you know I'm much more about the connection with the audience which is you know obviously something that wasn't in any regard available really so uh, you know a, a way that I've always um the, my process I suppose with songwriting has always involved road testing songs you know before the pandemic I was I was I think I did 140 gigs in 2019 so I was, I'm really on the road an awful lot um, and that's the way that I write is by sort of testing songs at shows and and, and you know if I have the first draft of a song I'll, I'll, I'll play it on a tour and it'll evolve across the tour according to you know how, how I change it based on on how uh, I sort of gauge the reaction to it and I didn't have you know and that, that's my process and I didn't have that available to me at all um, so I think did it make the songs more intimate, more personal. Yeah, yeah, I think it. I think it really did, and and I think that um, you know it's a strange thing to sort of play as a solo artist under your own name, and um, in lots of ways feel as though you're laying out these incredibly honest, you know, brutally intimate parts of yourself, and and I think you know it's a it's a it's a curious thing that. I'm incredibly, incredibly unspeakably grateful that I have an audience now and I get to do it for a living. Um, but it's a strange thing that sort of having that audience does affect the way that you sort of write when it comes to writing these very honest things, because it's impossible to sort of, you know, when I was 17 and I was writing, you know, kind of really intimate love songs, there's a good chance that they're only going to be heard by about three people, you know what I mean? And now I'm very lucky that, there, there is a sort of certainty that a certain number of people are going to hear this stuff. And it does, I think, make you, you know, I, I wish it didn't, but it does make you to some degree kind of hold back and get in your head a little bit about how you're going to be perceived. And in lots of ways, I think lockdown did sort of take that away, really, because it was quite easy to feel like there was nobody, there was nothing beyond these four walls that I wasn't allowed to, to leave, you know. Um, and there, is and a, think... there is a world first on this album, uh, as far as I'm aware anyway, which is a poignant song about ikea um, <laughs> how did that come about yeah i mean that's it's funny because that's a that's a true story that song you know I, I um i had this idea when i was in ikea um and uh, i was kind of there after a breakup and uh, and i was looking around at the fact that there only seems to be two different sorts of people there and, and there's the people who are just just come out of breakups who are sort of re starting their lives I suppose alone and then there's these people who are in new couples you know and uh, and they're sort of kind of excitedly filling their new houses together and and it just made me think that it's quite an interesting sort of uh 
just snapshot of of the you know the varied tapestry of of uh, of, of you know this this the scope of humanity that you see in IKEA. Yeah, I'm afraid but... my dog is going to have to join us. Matthew. Oh, that's lovely. That's Frank, yeah. isn't it? This is Frank. Yeah. Oh, nice he's to the... see you, Frank. Yeah, he's he's uh, become much more successful than I have in lockdown, and he's much more popular. So when there's a Zoom call going on, he tends to sort of make himself the uh, the centre of it all. He wants to see his audience, obviously. He wants to see his audience. Yeah, he won't be he won't be divided from his people. <laughs> and, and and I wonder if your political perspective has has shifted at all since Queer as Folk, you know, over those three years. Because I mean, it feels like an age ago, twenty eighteen, doesn't it? It feels like a sort of different era almost. Has your your view of the political landscape and your own politics shifted over that time? I mean, the political landscape is very, very different than the one uh, we 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 found ourselves in in, in twenty eighteen. Um, uh, I mean, you know. I think I'm a part of this generation who uh, were very, very politically um, disenfranchised in Britain. And then when Jeremy Corbyn became the leader of the Labour Party for the first time in our lives, really, we had this sort of mainstream uh, option on the table for socialism and for radically changing Britain and for radically uh, redistributing wealth in our society so that um, this country could be less corrupt and unequal. Um, and obviously that has come to an end. Um, and now I'm afraid I am back to feeling like um, I don't really know what the Labour Party stands for. It certainly doesn't seem to, to stand for anything sort of uh, radical in the same way that I felt like it did between 2015 and, uh, and 2019. Um, but I would say my personal politics haven't changed really at all. I mean, and nor have they ever really. I mean, I, I am the child of a social worker and a probation officer and uh and these you know these these ideas are pretty well in, instilled in me um but is there a I sense will... of frustration or, or hopelessness i mean you've got a song called the the, the losing side on on, yeah. on the album which obviously reflects on what it's like to be as it as you describe it disenfranchised hmm. yeah i mean it, it's funny because it might, it might not sound like it but the losing side is intended to be uh, actually quite a hopeful song, um, you know, but I had a sort of, you know, I've had this my entire, my entire life where, you know, I will go through phases of writing lots and lots of political songs. And then, you know, as you know, I'm, I'm a human being and like other human beings, I, I have my political energy. I wouldn't say that it wanes, but it does go through phases of being more contemplative, I suppose, and then more urgent. Um, and at the moment, you know, I, I'm, as I say, I'm, I'm 34 and I started writing political music uh, when the Conservatives got into power in 2010. And at that time, you know, I was in my early 20s and I was part of this incredibly um, sort of urgently um, protesting generation, you know, the student generation that kind of was born out of the uh, tuition fees uh, debacle with Nick Clegg. And, you know, but and that was around that time there was sort of Occupy St. Paul's and Occupy Wall Street. And there seemed to be these massive conversations that we were having about the distribution of wealth in, in society and capitalism as a whole. And, uh, and you know, it was an incredibly politically fertile time. And I was writing, I felt like I couldn't even keep up, you know, with, with the, I think between 2010 and 2012, I released three albums of, you know, largely political music. And now, you know, I see that there are younger people who are sort of, 10, 15 years younger than me, who have that same sort of burning, amazing energy. 
and I am so grateful for them. And I'm so, I think they're so wonderful. And I think particularly the conversations that younger people are having around climate change and the climate emergency, you know, that is absolutely incredible. And I suppose, you know, I'm, I'm reaching, I don't know, the sort of, I'm approaching the middle of my life, I think, and, and sort of having these realizations that, you know, this is not a short-term game politics, you know, the, the, these things that we're fighting for. I had a real sort of realization, I suppose, in the aftermath of the last election that, you know, it's, it is very possible that we won't win in my lifetime. And that's, you know, that sounds a bit dramatic, but I think if politics, if socialism is central to your personality and way of life and, and, and all of those things, in the way that it is for me and it is for a lot of my friends, you know, I think you do sort of have to find a way <laughs> to make peace with with the idea that you might never win, but you have to fight. You have to fight always. Mm. You know, I mean, I'm, I'm a woman and I'm a queer person. And, you know, I have rights that I only have because people came before me and fought for them and in some cases died for them. If those people hadn't died for them, I wouldn't have them today. So I realised that I sort of can't, I, my, my political motivation and drive and energy can't be contingent on whether or not it looks like we're winning because these things are much more important than any of us individually. So and that's what I was trying to get across with the inside. Yeah, and you've called, you've called the album Connectivity. And is that a, another word for solidarity? Is it, you know, is it that connectivity that you're craving and that you think is strong? Um, I think connectivity was, in, in terms of the album title, that was more of a, per, you know, the personal, person-to-person -person connection. Um, you know, that was the thing that I think was so stark for me in the pandemic was, it was quite strange to be obviously physically more separate than we've ever been by necessity. But actually for the first time in my entire life, and I think probably for the first time since the Second World War, really, everyone in the world was going through the same thing at the same time. You know, it was a strange sort of juxtaposition between like, we are so united in this moment, but this moment is dividing us physically, you know? So it was, it's a, it was, and I think it became apparent to me or sort of just proved to me really more than ever that I think that is what we're here for. You know, I think human beings need connection with each other. Um, and that was never more apparent, I think, than in those, in those months when it was so hard to come by. And we're going to play Storm to Weather. Is that the most um, explicit reference to the pandemic that, that you make in, in the album? Yeah, I wrote that song in the early days of the first lockdown. Um, and, you know, I mean, it's it's definitely, it's a pandemic song. Um, but as I've been touring, you know, this month, I've been thinking about that in terms of as a political song as well, you know, and I think there's a lot of, um, I've been saying on stage, I think there's a lot of storm battered socialists out there at the moment who are feeling a little bit like they're uh, caught up in a hurricane and they don't see a, a way out of it and they don't know where to turn. And it's sort of meant as a, a message of solidarity and a message of hope and a kind of hand on the shoulder of anybody who feels a little bit windswept. <laughs> and, and, and I just want to ask you about the video because... It looks to me as though you're up to your waist in seawater, trying to play the guitar against the forces of nature. Was there a trickery involved or were you actually standing in the sea when you filmed it? No, you got it. That's exactly what I'm doing. I'm standing in the sea, trying to play the guitar up against the forces of nature. And I can tell you that um, uh, I, don't, I don't think I won against the forces of nature. I mean, it took an awful lot of takes to get a one uh, 
uh, full songs worth of takes together. I mean, and, it was and I don't want to be flippant about this, but how was the guitar when you'd finished? Because I, I was kind of really worried about the, the, you know, you'd have to write the guitar off after it got soaked in the sea. Yeah, you're not alone. You know, I had a, when that video came out, I would say the number of comments I had inquiring about the health of the guitar uh at least numbered people saying oh i like the song so um uh yeah i i, I had to say i had to announce on social media the that guitar was already broken it was a, a broken guitar the electrics in it were broken and then it, acoustically uh it, it came out just a little saltier than it went in uh, it still plays we're, we're planning actually to raffle that guitar maybe for a charity at some point um so yeah somebody can have the uh, the salty guitar and all of the uh, all of the um the norfolk seawater that still resides in its in its wood all right grace well it's lovely to talk to you and, and let's see that video right now here from uh, grace's album connectivity is storm to weather I 
There's a storm here to weather. 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 The thunder's coming near. Louder than ever. And we don't know where to steer. And though we can't be together. Again next year, I will love you forever. We will dance again next year. I will love you forever. We will dance again next year. I will love you forever, and we will dance again next year. Grace Petrie taking the lyrics of her song "Storm to Weather" rather literally, absolutely soaked to the skin. There, that comes from her number two album, a new entry. Uh, in this month's official Folk Albums chart, which means we have a brand new number one. It's also a new entry, and it comes from the Nottinghamshire-based band Ferocious Dog. They blend together folk and punk and ska and have politically charged lyrics. Their album, which has gone into the chart at number one, is called The Hope, and the title track deals with somebody who is living with depression. And I should warn you that the video for this track contains some very distressing images. You 
Powerful and emotional music from Ferocious Dog 
number one in this month's official Folk Albums chart. Well, that's all for this month. Uh, don't forget that new episode of Folk on Foot featuring Cider House Rebellion and Jesse Summerhays in the North Yorkshire Moors. Uh, that comes out on Friday, November the 12th. And if you like what we do, why not sign up to become a patron of Folk on Foot? We depend entirely on support from our viewers and listeners to keep going. So all you have to do to get great rewards is go to folkonfoot.com and click on the support us button. We really appreciate your support. We really appreciate you watching and listening to the official Folk Albums chart show from Folk on Foot. <laughs>